0: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Three-in-One, who comes to give us the courage to go out into this world and to proclaim our Savior. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, Today is Pentecost, but tomorrow, like I've been saying, is Memorial Day. It's sort of a national holiday that we have in order to uh, celebrate mattresses and clothes. (laughs) At least that's what I can figure out from TV anyway. This sort of odd holiday that um, is is all about sales, but sales in a very patriotic kind of a way. And so uh, because of that, I I was interested in why we celebrate this holiday in the first place. And so what I did was I went and I looked up some stuff about Memorial Day. And I found out that we've had Memorial Day for a long time. In fact, even longer than what we've had Sealy Posturepedics. We've actually had Memorial Day since a month after the Civil War ended. And it's got kind of a neat story to how it began. You see, Memorial Day, the first Memorial Day, they didn't know that it was the first Memorial Day, but the first celebration that started the subsequent celebrations was, it was about a month After the Civil War had officially ended, the Civil War officially ended in April of 1865. And in May of 1865, some freedmen, which were black men, women, and children, who had recently become free because the Civil War ended the way that it did, some freedmen, well, they, they were living in Charleston, South Carolina, which was a southern state. It was a state that was a, a confederate state. And they knew that in their town, there in Charleston, there was sort of this gravesite, this, this, uh, almost like a dump, really, for bodies. And, and who they had buried there were the Union soldiers, Now, since it was South Carolina and it was Union soldiers, they just kind of put them wherever. These were the enemy, and so you didn't take as much good care in burying them as what you would your own soldiers. And so they had kind of put them in these pauper's graves. They, They still gave them a grave, which was great, but it just really wasn't that great of a place. And so what these freed men and women did recognizing that these men had died so that they could be free, was they organized in their communities, they organized in their churches, they organized within their families. And what they did was they decided that one Sunday they were going to go out and they were going to clean up that gravesite. They trimmed things back. They landscaped they made the place beautiful. They brought flowers. And finally what they did was they erected this huge arch as sort of a memorial for what these Union soldiers had done. And on this arch, they inscribed on there, Martyrs of the race Course." which looks back at 2 Timothy, where Paul is telling Timothy that he has now finished the race, that he has kept the faith. They were saying these are the martyrs, these are the witnesses, which is what that word means, of our freedom. These dead men that are in the ground. But in fact, at least... That day, those dead men in the ground were not the witnesses. It was instead the people that had erected that arch, the people that had done the landscaping, the people that had brought honor to this gravesite that were the real witnesses. The real witnesses as to why these men had lost their lives fighting so that all of these men and women and children could be free. Well, essentially, that is the same thing that's happening on Pentecost Sunday when we read in Acts 2. You see, what we find when we're reading in Acts 2 is that The disciples are in an upper room together on the 50th day, essentially after Jesus had been crucified and buried and rose again from the tomb. You see, Jesus was died and buried right around the festival of Passover. And the Jewish calendar had this this other holiday that happened 50 days after whenever Passover was, and they called it Pentecost. It was sort of a Thanksgiving celebration for them, where they got together and, well, they didn't eat turkey, but they had some other great celebrations about a harvest coming in, because that's when the harvest would have come in. And so everybody knew, okay, Pentecost is when we give thanks to God for what He's done for us. And on this Pentecost, what happened was, all of a sudden, you heard this rushing wind come in to where the disciples were. And then tongues of fire appearing on their heads. And then... They're able to speak and get this, able to speak in over 15 languages, if you go through and you count all of those people groups in there, over 15 languages that they had no idea how to speak beforehand. You see, the Holy Spirit gave them this power this ability to be, be martyrs. Now, I know that when we think about martyrs, we think about people that are dead, like those dead Union soldiers that were in the ground in South Carolina, but that's not necessarily all that martyr means. You see, in fact, the word martyr comes from, well, the Greek word martyr, and the Greek word martyr simply means witness. Like that person in the courtroom who's standing up saying this is what happened. Those disciples on that day became witnesses. They became witnesses to what God had done through them. And so it appears that they walk outside onto the porch or wherever it was and they're telling everybody in these 15 different languages or however it worked at the time. We know at least 15 different people groups understood it And they understood it well enough to be like, well, maybe these people are crunk. Maybe these people have had a little bit too much. And so we don't really know exactly. It must have been very enthusiastic, though. Whatever it was that they were saying giving thanks for. Right? And then Peter steps in, and he's like, don't worry, don't worry. Uh, What is happening here is not that we are drunk, because it's only nine in the morning, which leads you to ask the question, when was it sort of okay? Um, Not nine in the morning, though. So we're not drunk. Instead, what we're doing is we're giving witness to the person who saved us. To this Jesus Christ, who died and was raised again. This Jesus Christ, who we saw die on a cross. We saw Him die there, and we saw Him be put into a tomb. We knew that He was really dead. In fact, we thought He was dead, and so we were doing what we would do now they they brought things to his tomb in order to decorate it but they found out that he wasn't there and by this point the 50th day after easter by this point if you listen to what the apostle paul says in 1st corinthians 15 he had already appeared to over 500 different people And so, they're ready to give thanks. They're ready to witness to that empty tomb. But because the tomb is empty, they can't witness by bringing decorations to his tomb. That would just be silly. So instead, what they do is they decorate the whole world... (laughs) not by bringing flowers not by bringing flags but by bringing his word of grace and forgiveness to a world that is sick and in sin and in need of the freedom that he can give that's how they decorated his tomb And that's how we can decorate his tomb today. His tomb is empty. Because of that, interestingly enough, we really have no idea where Jesus' tomb is. The early Christians were, they they, they let it go. They said, it's empty. We're not going to keep track of this. Later on, Roman Catholics came along and they said, okay, tomb of the Holy Sepulcher, we think it maybe was here. Roman Catholics were good at doing that. The early Christian said, we don't really care. We're not going to be bringing flowers to his tomb because that's not where he resides. He resides in this whole world. And how he would have us decorate this whole world is simply by preaching the forgiveness that he has given to us. Telling people that are in despair, God loves you. No matter what you've done. No matter who you are. Let me decorate Christ's tomb by telling you that He loves you and forgives you. And because of that, you can have an eternity with Him in the resurrection. I talk to my grandma every Tuesday. This Tuesday was a little bit harder of a discussion with her because my grandfather he died a year ago just about and so memorial day is a a tough day to celebrate for my grandmother it was especially tough this memorial day because apparently whenever she goes to put flowers on my grandfather's grave she likes to bring peonies but because of the weird weather that they've been having up in nebraska the peonies just aren't there anymore so she had to go to the florist and she said it was really tough to pick out something to put on his grave. But what she finally picked out was a cross, made out of flowers in and blue and white. She said, "I think you would have liked that." My grandfather, who was a who was always disappointed that I didn't learn German at the seminary because that was God's true language. <laughs> My grandfather, who was an elder at his church, she thought that he would like this cross on his tomb. And I thought to myself, I think he would too. Because what that cross is doing there in that cemetery is similar to what we do when we tell other people of the grace and peace of Jesus Christ that we have in ourselves. What that cross is doing is telling all of the other people there who are in that gravesite, crying and being distraught over the ones that they loved, telling them that there's a future for my grandfather. That one day, he and all the other residents of that cemetery, and of the cemetery in South Carolina, and of every cemetery in the world, that all of those residents, they are going to be resurrected by the power of the Son of God. That they will be infused with the power of the Holy Spirit who came upon those disciples on that first Pentecost day. That they will be alive. So how are you decorating Christ's tomb this weekend? Find a way to pronounce to the world in thanksgiving what He has given to you, which is the greatest gift that anyone could ever give. Salvation and the gift of a Holy Spirit. That means that you will rise even though you die. Amen.